Welcome to the Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center podcast featuring Reverend Dahlia Adams. You may visit us online at unityvacaville.org or you may visit us in person at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. And now, here is Reverend Dahlia Adams. Welcome. My name is Reverend Dahlia Adams, and I am honored to be here with you today. We have been spending the last several weeks about talking about living fearlessly and pausing a moment to reflect on how delicious, how wonderful that would be to go through each of our days without ever being grabbed up by fear, without ever feeling like we were tied up in knots because of fear, or we had difficulty getting our breath because we were panicking. So living fearlessly is a worthy and wonderful goal. And we've been following the, a book written by Guy Finley called The Essential Laws of Fearless Living. Find the power to never feel powerless again. Today we are talking about loving fearlessly. We could talk about this one for years and years and years. I know because I know what a giant hurdle this has been sometimes in my life. And then when I worked as a clinical psychologist, as a psychotherapist, so many people came in afraid to love because of hurt, because of disappointment, because of trauma they may have experienced in the past related to the experience of loving someone. So we're just going to touch on it lightly because, like I said, we'd have to spend years to really dive deeply. But it's an important topic, and if we're going to live fearlessly, we need to love fearlessly. Loving each other, loving our partners, loving our children, loving our parents, loving our family members, loving our friends, loving ourselves, loving our co-workers, loving the person we pass on the street, is a very big under undertaking. But unless we love, we deprive ourselves of so much that is important and meaningful in our lives. And we know this because we have fairy tales and we have movies, movies after movies and books romance novels that all are some version of once upon a time a, prin a prince met a beautiful princess and they fell in love. Or maybe the story would be a prince met a handsome prince and they fell in love or maybe a princess met a beautiful princess and they fell in love and of course there are details that are different but our fairy tales many of our movies end with 
and they lived happily ever after. So the message in those stories, in those movies, is if we find the right person and we allow that love to grow with that love, right person, as we, if we allow ourselves to love more and more deeply, we live happily ever after. Except it's not always that easy, you know. Sometimes that person seems one way when we meet them, and then years later they're acting what looks to us like another way. And so we want them to change back to the person that we saw when we first met them. Or maybe we allow ourselves to love and we make a commitment in that person gets buried in their work and we never get to see them and so we want them to change back and be attentive the way they were in the beginning. Or maybe they become ill and maybe it's a chronic illness and they're no longer doing the things they used to do because they can't or they feel like they can't. Or maybe they just leave. Or maybe they get ill in a way that we feel like they're being taken away from us, even though they're physically present. Here at Unity, we support the Alzheimer's Association. And there's story after story of how difficult it is when a family member is no longer remembering things they used to remember. And, and there's this sense of there's a physical presence, but maybe it's not quite the same person. So once upon a time, a prince met a princess. They fell in love, and their love grew, and then life happens. And that pain of feeling like we're losing someone can be crippling. And so we become afraid, afraid to love. And it doesn't even have to be that dramatic. It's like, what if they're in a bad mood and they yell at us? And then the rest of the day, maybe even the rest of the week, feels horrible. So we put up a little bit of a wall so our love wouldn't be so vulnerable, so we wouldn't be so vulnerable to the one we love. And on and on and on. It's so much a part of our culture, so many stories, so many books, so many movies. It just tells us how central to our life experience this dynamic of loving and being afraid to be hurt, how deep that goes. I heard a story many years ago. I think it was told by Jack Cornfield, but I'm not sure, and I may have the details all wrong, but the heart of the story is correct. But once upon a time, there was a monk, and he lived in Southeast Asia, I think maybe Cambodia. And it was many years ago at a time when there was a lot of turmoil, political, ethnic, Oh, turmoil and wars in Cambodia. And this monk was an activist and he uh, was helping 
people in their spiritual path when that spiritual path was being forbidden. And he was a very brave and honored monk. People honored him. They knew his name. They, they held him up high as an amazing presence. And Jack Cornfield became very close to him. They became friends. And years later, when Jack was back in the United States, he gets a phone call from a mutual friend saying this monk was saying, was telling people that he was going to go to the city and that he was going to go to the main square, the town square, and he was going to set himself on fire to commit suicide. And Jack went to him, and he was talking to him. He says, what's going on? You've been the icon of courage for so many years. Why? And the monk said, oh, things are not getting any better. We've been working so hard to make a difference, and all the problems are still there. And Jack said, yeah, but you knew that. You knew this wasn't going to be quick and easy, and you helped people in the moment, in that day, in that hour. And that by itself is meaningful. And the monk said, yeah, I know, I know. But by this time, there's been no difference politically, nationally. So I am going to go to the town square and set myself on fire to make a statement. And Jack Cornfield looked at him and he goes, I'm not buying it. What's really going on here? And the young, the monk said, well, I met this woman. And it went on from there because he was a monk and had taken vows and she had taken vows. There was no way they could ever be together. So this person who had been brave for so many years and was making a difference in so many people's lives was willing to end his own life because the pain of not being able to be with the one he loved was so huge that he was willing and even wanting to die. We know that pain. Most of us have been there or at the edge of it at times. So how do we go forward? How do we love without fear? How do we open our hearts even when we know that there is a huge risk Khalil Gibran, a Lebanese-American uh, Lebanese poet, wrote, For even as love crowns you, so shall he crucify you. And we know that. Love opens up our hearts and we're vulnerable and it can be really scary in those moments. Guy Finley, in, in his book, is trying to capture what underlies the pain that we go through. And he, he captures some of it. As I read through the chapter, I'm in there, but there's so much more to this story. But what he captures is really meaningful. And he wrote that the only thing that troubles us about others is what we would have them be. 
You know that moment when the person we love isn't acting the way we would want them to? Is not listening to us the way we would want them to? Is not present the way we want them to be? Or is in a bad mood and is quiet and uncommunicative and we feel alone because of their mood and their behavior? So we become troubled, our hearts become troubled, our hearts hurt because someone we love is not being the way we want them to be. So the secret is if we can stop wanting the ones we love to be a certain way and just love them for the way they are, there would be far less pain for us to experience. I used to teach at a high school that served teenagers who were having a tough time in life and getting into trouble and being expelled from other schools. And our direction was do not try to change them, simply honor them the way they are. And it was like a magic bomb for these children. So this is what Guy Finley is recommending, no matter what, to let go of this wanting someone to be different. But that's hard to do. That's hard to do. You know, we have a child maybe who was a really, really good student and stops doing their homework and starts failing classes. We want them to be different. We want to fix whatever is going on. Or we have a child, a brother, sister, a partner who becomes addicted to drugs, maybe painkillers after a surgery, or maybe others, and this addiction seems to be taking them away, and we see the misery and pain that it's causing, and we want them to be different, and then the pain becomes our own. The 12-step programs that deal with the various addictions and serve those people who love the person who is addicted as well, all of those 12-step programs adopt a, a prayer called the Serenity Prayer, written by Reinhold Niebuhr. And the prayer says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And in that prayer, there is a guidance that is used over and over again as people heal from the pain the pain that they attribute to loving someone maybe too much or loving the wrong person. But one of the important keys in this prayer, this prayer that supports people so well who have experienced such a deep pain in relationship is that it, it pairs that peace of mind that we all want with wisdom. So it teaches us to change what we can change. But if we're wanting to change the other person, 
if we're wanting the other person to be different, and that's where we're putting our energy, we're just deepening our own pain. So the wisdom to know what is mine to change and what is not mine to change is a pathway to peace and a release of the suffering that we know. Our co-founder Charles Fillmore in his talks and in his essays has paired love with wisdom. Both love and wisdom are spiritual powers, according to Charles Fillmore. And according to him, if we love and we're not invoking wisdom, then we're going to get ourselves into trouble. And if we're steeped in wisdom, but we don't allow that to be channeled as love, we're also going to get ourselves into trouble. According to Charles, he wrote, love is like the sun. Its joy is in the shining forth of its nature. So our own joy is the shining forth of our love, allowing our hearts to be open and fearless and loving. And if we don't do that, we are blocking our joy. Wisdom is the voice of God within us, that still small voice that transcends intellectual knowing. You know those moments where we try to sort out what to do in a relationship, how to respond, and we talk to friends sometimes, and we make lists, pros and cons. We write out scripts. That's our intellectual processing, and it's great. But ultimately, we need to become still and listen to that still, small voice Allow the wisdom that is God to guide us. For it is through that wisdom that we are best able to express the love within us. Guy Finley wrote that sometimes we want from others what they just don't have within themselves to give. Let me say that again. Sometimes we want from others what they just don't have within themselves to give. I was working once or supporting someone who was dealing with a relationship with an alcoholic. Um, she loved this man very, very much, but the alcoholism was progressing and she did not feel loved at all in the relationship, even though before the alcoholism reared its head, it was a very loving relationship. And one day in conversation, she said, you know, I finally realized that he is loving me as well as he can. But right now, with all the drunkenness, as well as he can is just not very good. And I have to make decisions based on what is here today. I can no longer make my decisions pinning them on the hopes that I have for him. Because my hopes for him are just that. 
unless he wants to change, nothing will change. So it's that kind of wisdom that emerges, and oftentimes not easily. But that wisdom allows us to then know that we need to first and foremost love ourselves because sometimes caught up in challenging relationships like that, we send all of our love to that other person, but it's in the guise of wanting to make them different, which is not a healthy kind of love. And we forget to love ourselves. So that wisdom guides us to loving ourselves and paying attention to what we need as well, what's important for us to have in that moment. Guy Finley wrote, rather than trying to change others to suit our needs, we can see through the false idea that someone else can make us whole. We can see through the false idea that someone else can make us whole. It is ours to make ourselves whole. It is that other person's task to make themselves whole. And then two people, when they are whole, when they are healthy, when they are healed enough to have open hearts, then two whole and open-hearted people can come together, and that love is an amazing experience. In the chapter, Guy Finley writes about moving from dependence on someone, or maybe codependence on someone, to independence. And what he describes independence is knowing that it is up to me to make myself whole. But I invite you to consider that independence might not be enough, that interdependence might be the greater goal because it takes two independent people to depend on each other without becoming enslaved in dependence. Interdependence is two people who are whole and able to have open hearts, loving each other, supporting each other, that each one is enhanced and strengthened and made even more joyous by a love that is shared in a healthy way, in a way that does not take away the wholeness from, of either person. So that independence then is used and shared in a way that's beautiful and transcended and transformative. But again, this whole topic today could be years of exploring, and this in itself could take weeks and weeks. So going back to a heartfelt understanding, Rumi, one of my favorite poets, wrote, Find the sweetness in your own heart. Then you may find the sweetness in every heart. So finding the sweetness in my own heart is good. That's the independence. But it's even greater that from that place of knowing the sweetness in my heart, I can find the sweetness 
in your heart. I can find the sweetness in the hearts of my family members, my friends, the people I am close to. And finally, Rumi reminds us that only from the heart can you touch the sky. So only when we love fearlessly can we reach out from our hearts and touch the sky. And so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support this podcast, you may do so at unityvacaville.org.